You're listening to episode 260 of the Comics Pals. We're a group of comic book journalists and friends who record a podcast together because we don't talk enough about comics in our daily lives. Well, Sean, the con crud, it got them. It got the rest of them. They're it all did. dead. It did. It did. Uh, Comic-Con kicked our ass, I guess. Uh, it just, it. Marco and Phil are just, well, you know, they're out for the count. Kale is well. He's not here. That's sympathy pains. I heard. You know, he's he could. Yeah, (laughs) he had that psychic connection. He could feel their illness. Well known for being a highly sympathetic, empathetic (laughs) individual, so much so that he's got the phantom pain for them across the country, across well the pond, beyond the the country, across the pond. Yeah, (laughs) it's pretty amazing, miraculous. In fact, Uh, any reason to not do the show, but. Pete and I are here, and we have a lot of things to talk about. In fact, today, for us anyways, is Fandom Day. Fandom. DC's Fandom is going to be happening today, and it probably will intersect with this recording as it did last year. So Pete and I plan to talk to you guys about anything that we happen to see go down it's gonna be while crazy. we're recording this. Yeah. Anything that they that they put out uh during this recording, we will discuss live uh from the fandom. In fact, I'm pulling up a link to the actual fandom as we speak. So uh you will not miss any of our commentary for that. Uh I'm hoping to see the trailer for the Batman during this recording. Oh yeah. I would love that. I would absolutely love that. Um, I I feel like the thing I'm most excited to see is probably to like get another whiff of what the fuck is going on in the world of Batman video games because they showed us those trailers last year and then tight lips, nothing. Yeah. And we hadn't heard about anything from Rocksteady or the next Batman game for like several, what, five years before that? It's like, just give me some crumbs, guys. Come on. No kidding. No kidding. There's so much cool stuff uh, that there's going to be that they're going to be talking about. Uh, The stream starts in an hour and a half. So uh, we will uh, we will be here for that. Uh, Also, want to let you guys know how you can support the show. Uh, Make sure that you guys have left us a follow, a rating and a review wherever it is that you listen to us. If that's YouTube, subscribe for free, like the video, share with your friends. All of that is free to do, and it helps us out a lot more than it costs you. We really, really appreciate all the comments, all the interaction. We have a long listener mail se- segment this week, uh, so we, we're thankful for that. Leave us comments wherever it is that you're listening to us. There's a comment box somewhere. If you want to get us on social media, that's at the Comics Pals. Write to us if you're so inclined at the Comics Pals at gmail.com. Join our Discord. There's a link to that in the description where we're always having a great time. Uh, we covered in the Discord conversations about post-New York Comic-Con stuff, uh, things that those of us who attended Comic-Con bought, you know, the con swag that we brought home with us. Of course, for some of us, that's not all we brought home, but, you know, uh, <laughs> it is what it is. Um, and then also uh, listen to our reviews, our comic book reviews that drop every Wednesday for Image. And every Thursday for everything else this week, we are reading four image books to make up for doing a total of zero last week. (laughs) Uh, We're doing 
King Spawn, number three, Gunslinger Spawn, number one, Made in Korea, number five, and uh, Ant, number one. Oof. All right. So with all of that out of the way, I want to jump into the listener comments. So, Pete, why don't you take it away? All right. This first one comes from Snake of Talons over on our Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo interview from New York Comic Con. Make sure you go check all those out. They're still coming out this week, too. So uh, we got lots in the uh, lots in the, the pipeline. Oh, Sean, I lost you there. Oh, Sorry. there he is. OK, he turned into Phil for a second. I was very afraid. Uh, so. <laughs> Uh, Snake of Towns wrote in and said, Love the interview. I know you've been looking to do this for a long time, and your excitement really shone through. Scott and Greg are some of the nicest people. I didn't even realize that Demon Books, uh, that that Demon's book came out. That's a little hard to say there. Uh, I'm going to have to check it out. They've done some work that is super special to me, and their Batman run is what brought me into comics, so I really enjoyed this. Thank you so much. Uh, yeah, this interview... Is super special to me. I have been wanting to interview Scott Snyder for a really, really long time. In fact, uh, you know, we used to work somewhere else. And <laughs> while we were there, uh, well, actually, before I joined, but while I was being courted, I saw an interview go on with Scott Snyder at that place. And I remember thinking, oh, my God, I, I hope that I can do that one day. I want to do that. And I finally did. And it was, you know, with our own brand. So for me, that's super cool because, you know, Pete, Kale, Phil, Marco and I, you know, we've worked really hard to get here and it's super validating. We were treated really well all throughout the weekend by creators who we have a ton of respect for and their handlers and their people. A lot of people helped to make these things happen. So, um, you know, I'm really grateful and I'm glad you enjoyed the interview. It was so cool. I was, it's funny. I was more nervous to watch it back than I was <laughs> to do it, which is so weird. But you're happy with how it turned out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Good. you know, you're, you can always do better, but, uh, I, 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 I'm grateful, glad. I, I do think it was cool. Wish I could have more time with them, but you know, they had a crazy line. Yeah, yeah, I was glad we were able to make it happen. Um, I was uh, really, really big thanks to the Comixology folks. They were super accommodating, um, and we've definitely been stonewalled by a few other publishers uh, who are who are handling that duo. So, um, yep. yeah, it would have been great to have been able to get more time, but getting that f five minutes was uh, something we've been working for for a long time, so it was cool to see it finally happen. For sure. All right, so uh, we got a couple comments on our uh, Tony Schiavone interview. Um, we got one from Harris who said, I never fail to appreciate how great of a speaker Tony is. He's one of the best in the business. You know, if you love wrestling, you know who Tony Schiavone is. And uh, he is arguably the second most important voice on commentary ever. Maybe even the first, to be honest, he's the first I heard. I, the only other one that I would say is Jim Ross. But, you know, between the two of them, you know, they're the biggest. And you can hear them both on AEW. There you go. Uh, Rebecca wrote in and said, awesome interview. Great video quality, too. What a great comment. You know, I just have to <laughs> say that. What a tremendous comment uh, from someone who, you know, really is just a, probably a great person. And you know what? They spell their name correctly, too. So thank you, Rebecca, for writing in. <laughs> uh, Rebecca with a K. That's my favorite way to spell that name. It's the only way. Yeah. 
Uh, Snake of Talons wrote in again and said, I had not heard of Tony before seeing him in your interviews, and I love listening to him and you guys banter and talk comics. Honorary comic pal, I need to check out some of his books. Okay, so thank you so much for that, and I think you should check out Butts and Seats. It's going to be a great one, I think. Uh, It's out in November. I got a little sneak peek at Comic-Con. And I think that uh, if you're a fan of wrestling, if you're a fan of, you know, uh, biographies, if you're a fan of, you know, seeing people's stories, uh, real, you know, genuine people who go through real stuff, I think uh, this will be a cool book. Um, I have to say, though, that comic pals thing, man, it kills us. It kills us. <laughs> everyone, and I'm, I'm, and I'm not, I'm just playing with you, Snake, but everyone at Comic-Con said, oh, the comic pals, there's an S in there. <laughs> it's so funny to me when we have the shirt on, too. It's like, yes. yo, like, it's, it's right there. It's right there. We yeah. agonized over whether or not to include that S, you know? We did. We had meetings. We had meetings about it, and we clearly made the wrong choice. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Snake. Really appreciate Thank you, man. You. I mean, I want to point out that that in the span of the two weeks, because we didn't get to do last week's, uh, Snake of Talons wrote in twice um, and was active on the Discord. So, you know, just really a ride or die yeah, absolutely. Uh, fan for a while. So really thankful for you, man. We appreciate you. Uh, so this next one is from the Philip Kennedy Johnson interview. This one comes from Justin who wrote in and said, fantastic interview. Philip Kennedy Johnson has been doing some solid work on action comics. Yeah. Thank you, Justin. Uh, Philip Kennedy Johnson, if you watch the interview, which clearly you did, Justin, um, has a, uh, a real appreciation for Superman that dates back to when he was a kid. And you can tell that he's putting so much of himself into this run. Um, and it's, and it's, it has been good. And uh, I was more excited to, to read it after that interview, because, you know, you want to know that the person who's writing the book really cares about the character and he does. Yeah, that was that was a great interview, and I uh, I, I almost want to blow up Phil's spot a little bit with a bit of an embarrassing story. But what do you oh, think? What do you think? I you know he ain't here, right? He can't say no. So yeah. something very very funny happened. Phil is uh, great at interviews. He's he's usually pretty unshakable. Um, uh, friend of the show, Plaid Klaus, like loves to joke about how like Phil can win a staring contest, right? Um, but. <laughs> Uh, with Philip Kennedy Johnson, it was the only time I've ever seen Phil need to do a second start to an interview because he turned and looked at him and like just was he's like you're he said he had like these insanely steely blue eyes and he was just thrown off by how like like intimidating he was, you know, and <laughs> I got such a kick out of that because that is if that was going to happen to anybody, I wouldn't have expected it to be Phil, you know. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's funny because I don't know if that's happened to any anyone else yeah no i don't think so i don't i I don't feel like we ever do uh false starts usually we just barrel through (laughs) yeah you know even if it's a little rough we just you know we just make it happen but uh yeah that is that is one of my favorite (laughs) anecdotes from the weekend it speaks to uh what a presence philip kennedy johnson is both on the page and on the stage seriously (laughs) and he does have you know, that's a great word. He does have a presence about him um, that, you know, when you're standing and you see him, it's like, oh, this guy is like, you know, shoulders and he's very poised and stuff. It's uh, 
yeah, he's something. All right, so this one comes from <clears throat> Harris again on uh, episode 259, who wrote in and said, Great meeting you guys in person at NYCC. Marco's hair is luxurious. Kaylee oh, Cuoco boy. is going to be at the fandom since she voices Harley Quinn on the animated show she stars in. I did enjoy this episode of The Slightly Tipsy Pals. I wish uh, number five was in NYC to partake. I think we all do. Yeah, absolutely. We all wish that. Um, I don't know when that's going to happen again, Kale. You know, Kale's making it, trying to make it over there. And uh, it's tough to, you know, it's tough to fly to New York for a con. You know, there's, you're going to, you're going to spend money to get here, spend money to stay somewhere, spend money to, you know, spend money at the show. Yeah. Uh, so there's, there's a lot of money involved. But uh, yeah, we definitely missed him. Um, that was a fun episode, I got to say. Yo, yeah, it's funny because like, at that point, I definitely wasn't even tipsy. I was just like, "It's three in the morning, and I'm I'm delirious," you know. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you really well, yeah. Okay, yeah, that is fair because I think I probably had the most to drink that night. So yeah, I, I, in my old age, Sean, I just can't put it away like I used to. You know, like I, I can <laughs> I can drink a lot, but I feel like shit the next day. So I sure. had I had two drinks and was like, that's my limit. If I have any more, I am gonna be fucked up tomorrow. And I, <laughs> yeah, no, I I'm not even really a drinker like that. I'll you know I'll, I'll have them if it's if it's what we're doing, sure. but uh, you know I'm not crazy about it. Fun fact. Uh, I think I had my first drink with Harris at Comic Con. So. No, like oh, ever. Okay, <laughs> in my life, yeah. I think I think I had my first drink with Harris. Well, that's nice. Um, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Thanks for writing in, uh, Harris. Uh, again, you know, just killing it with the comments. Really appreciate that. Appreciate it, bud. It was great to meet you. Uh, so righteous thirst for vengeance. Uh, we talked about. Um, oh no, that was off mic. Sorry. <laughs> well, this was this was the comment. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So we we reviewed righteous thirst for vengeance uh, last week on the image reviews, and um, we uh, got a comment here from. Uh, I'm sorry because I'm going to butcher your name. I've never seen this name before. Um, Pateri, Petri. I have no I, idea. It seems like Pateri. Pateri, yeah, Pateri Hino. I would guess. Um, so Pateri Hino wrote in and said, obviously I have not read this comic book yet. Still, I felt the negative, uh, critic was quite harsh considering that you are talking about 28 pages. Crime Noir usually takes, uh, time when the story opens and maybe Remender, Remender has picked up influences from, uh, Far East crime movies, for example, to, uh, Takeshi Kitano movies, um, which have a very slow pacing and not much dialogue. Anyhow, this video got me interested in the book even more. So I, I just want to respond because we get this kind of comment, I think, a lot when we don't love a book and people are interested in it. If, like, you are more interested in a comic after one of our negative reviews, that's a good thing. Like, we are yeah. not we are not that type of show. We're not trying to be like, oh, like, fuck this. Don't read that. It's like, no, nah, man, like, cool. Like, if you like dig it, then tell us why. That's awesome. Let's have a dialogue about it. Like, and I'm not necessarily saying that you may be are like saying it with that energy. But, you know, I feel like we get this kind of comment uh, from time to time. And I always think it's funny because just because we don't dig something doesn't mean that you shouldn't. Yeah. Uh, and first of all, I like the book. It's just that I didn't love it, I guess. Uh, and I have a very, very, very high bar for Rick Remender because sure. he is, you know, one of my two top two favorite writers. So 
Um, my, you know, my barometer for his work is extremely high. And even though I thought this was good, it just didn't scratch that itch. Exactly. And I think you're probably right. I do think that he was going for something very specific. It's clear. Uh, he even uh, said on social media that with this book, he was trying to do things that he was, he never had the, you know, the balls to do before. And you can see what he's talking about, you know, a book that doesn't really rely on the verbiage to get over a book that, you know, um, you know, is, is kind of playing, playing it under the radar uh, in a lot of ways for sure. But I think if, you know, if this video got you interested in reading the book, then we did our job because we're not really here for us. This isn't like, you know, uh, as much as we joke, like this isn't our soapbox to just get on here and just tell you or just talk to each other and you guys happen to hear it. You know, um, we want that, you know, we, we want it to be the case that sometimes we don't like something, but um, it's about the conversation and you're a part of it. So thank you for partaking. Appreciate that. Absolutely. Uh, we got another comment on that one from Power Grid Comics. Wrote it and said, I thought this issue was great. Not a lot of dialogue, but the art had a ton uh, a ton of foreshadowing. You should check out my review. I felt the bird uh, conversation with the kid made a ton of sense considering how the issue ended. Yeah. Uh, thank you um, for, for that. I agree with you about the conversation with the bird about the bird. Uh we I mentioned it on the show what I felt that that was about and that I got something out of it. I, I did enjoy that. Um, and I did see your review. Uh, keep it up, dude. Uh, you guys are killing it over there. Um, yeah, I'm glad I'm glad you really enjoyed it. That's great. Uh, and then this next one comes from Kilgore Trout, uh, another regular writer into the show who wrote in on uh, our amazing Spider-Man number 75 review who said, no way I'm pulling a weekly. Ugh. <laughs> you know pete i'm i'm i i was bummed that you had to miss that review oh, i know because, me too yeah uh this of course was the sort of fresh start for spider-man this was uh the new creative team the beyond creative team that took over and you know is is pushing the character forward pushing him beyond um and i really enjoyed it but not everyone did so hopefully uh, if we do continue to review the book, which we will, if you guys want that, uh, we'll get Pete's thoughts because, of course, you know, Pete is um, the biggest Spider-Man fan, you know, big Spider-Man. There you go. <laughs> for, for those of you on YouTube, Pete's got like a what would you call that? I don't know. It's like it was this thing I got as like a GameStop like reward thing like 10 years ago or something like that. And it's like a little like Spider-Man toy that hangs from your your headphones, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, thank you. Yeah, I, I, it's not exactly weekly. I, I think it's. I think it's like three on, one off. I think tri monthly. Okay, but it's yeah, it's <laughs> it's a high volume, yeah. right? And when the book is four ninety nine, that's a big ask. That's a lot of money. Yeah, for them yeah, to be expecting a... you to spend like fifteen bucks a month to keep up with Spider Man, that's pretty expensive. Yeah. Yeah. Um. I don't know if I'm going to be able to do it as much as I enjoyed it. I don't know that I'm going to be able to do it. Yeah. That's just like financially, that feels like it's prohibitive for me. You know, like I feel like if anything, wait for some trades on that one. Actually, you know what? I do want to, I do want to correct myself. It is for, it is three ninety nine, So it's $4. A little bit better, but still. Yeah. Yeah. Buy a lot of comics for that much. That's a fact. <laughs> 
Uh, so I believe this next one comes from this is from the Venom review. Yes. yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the next two. The next two. Okay. So this one comes from uh, Emily Rojas. Uh, who wrote in and said, I was so excited. Great sum up. I have some debatable opinions about the Cassidy character, but otherwise dead on. Thank you for writing in. Uh, this is, of course, a comment on the, you know, the the one man army Venom review <laughs> that I did uh, that somehow was still 48 minutes. Um, <laughs> apparently, when there's no one there to interrupt me, I can talk a lot. Um, yeah, I, you know, I think, well, Pete, did you see the movie? I did. I did. Cool. All right. Yeah. I want to get your thoughts after this next comment, because, uh, you didn't get to share your thoughts, of course, on the movie. So yeah, thank you, uh, Emily for writing in. Appreciate that. You take the next one and then we'll, uh, and then I want to get your thoughts. Okay. So this one comes from Sean Hensley, who wrote in and said, Going in as someone who does not know much about symbiotes beyond what I've read on wikis and other YouTube videos giving brief explanations, the movie is fun and silly from that aspect. But I know there are tons of information that is missing and does not add up which does a disservice to the people who are in the know with this with their stories. Sadly, I think the movie was written for people who don't know much, <laughs> so they will sell tickets. <laughs> I would love to see a longer film made with more in-depth story, something that even people who do not know much can sink their teeth into and maybe cause them to dig further into the story. Additionally, I think your review was perfect, and I look forward to more Sean reviews. Lastly, I would, uh, I would have... I would have liked them all to have gone in a direction of learning some more about other symbiotes and it all leading up to null. Gotcha. Yeah. Mm. Thank you for writing in, Sean. Sean to Sean. Sean to Sean. <laughs> uh, this is actually someone that I know from my days playing World of Warcraft. Oh, really? Yeah. Shout out. Yeah. Great guy. Um, thanks, man. I, I really appreciate your your well thought out comment. Um yeah, man. You know, I, I do I do feel like the movie was made and these movies are made for general audiences by and large. I'm not I never really try to go into these reviews um, negging the movies for what they're not as it relates to the comics, unless I feel like it something was lost in translation that was critical. Yeah. And for me, that was where I was coming from with my criticism of the carnage character. Uh, was just that I don't feel like and, you know, minor, minor spoilers, but I just don't feel like he had an edge the way that Carnage does in the books. Mm -hmm. And I compared it to Maximum Carnage, where, you know, this dude is killing a lot of people and you get the I, the general feeling that there's mayhem in New York, whereas I don't know that the movie really gets that across. Uh, Pete, what did you think about it? I, I by and large agree with you. Um, I thought it was fine. I uh, while you were recording it, I think I was seeing it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, you know, I came out of it with a, a bunch of my friends who are all, you know, uh, comics readers to varying degrees. Um, and the 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 general vibe coming out of it was definitely like a little higher than I felt, and I didn't want to be the guy to be like, oh, you know. But <laughs> I, if you'll recall, when we did our original uh, review of, of Venom. I, I I think I summed up my feelings as like ultimately this movie sucks, but it's but I loved it. Like it was it was not a good movie, but it was so surprising because all of the marketing had had this like grim dark aesthetic, and then it was this 
goofy, like very like self-aware kind of campy romp. And I mm. got into that. But I felt like this movie, it it felt like the bad kind of sequel where it's like, it's more of the same. And like, usually that's a good thing, right? A lot of times in, especially in like, um, you know, blockbuster type franchises, second movies are often, you know, you already know the characters, you can just kind of get into the action of it and, you know, worry, like worry more about deepening characters or, or telling a new story. And I feel like this had none of that going for it, where it was like all of the novelty of what Venom, you know, Tom Hardy's Venom is, is, is worn off, right? I've seen it. I know Mm. what to expect. I went in expecting a certain kind of tone and it felt like that tone. And having just read uh, Maximum Carnage so recently and having that fresh in my mind, I could not help but draw comparisons and and in the way that you said, right? Where it's not, I don't even care about the lore stuff that they got wrong, right? Like yeah. we talked about it when we reviewed Maximum Carnage on the book club. Maximum Carnage is also not very good from like a <laughs> script perspective. It's it's like, it's dumb action figures smashing together, but it's fun. And it, yeah. and it has an edge and it has uh, a style and a voice that is consistent and, you know, you get why it has this iconic, you know, it looms in people's memories, right? Yes. This was so forgettable because it was very much like, what if we do that story, but we strip out all of the craziest stuff about it and we kind of like tone it down and try to make Carnage a little sympathetic and, you know, try to make, you know, they're these dregs of society and they you know and and they've been you know and they're not really that bad they've just been abused and it's like no i don't that's not this character that's venom (laughs) right right like and i'm with venom already right you've already told me he's good right he sucks but he's good okay fine i don't need the villain to be that too like carnage is supposed to be like you said just like the embodiment of like 90s attitude era anarchy right like of just like Oh, he doesn't give a fuck and he murders people without a second thought and he doesn't care about anybody and he doesn't even care about his girlfriend because he's such an asshole and like it's none of that. Right. And it was just like it felt like it took the teeth out of something that the only redeeming qualities of it are the teeth. Right. Is that attitude. And you, you drained all that out. So you just have Carnage, who ultimately as a character is not that interesting. He's a cool design. And he's cool because he's so strong and evil and insane that Spider-Man and Venom need to team up. That's mm-hmm. the story. That's the appeal. And you removed Spider-Man, so you needed to I, – I think you needed to double down and make him crazier and make him take up more of the, the oxygen in the room, you know? And I feel like it failed to do that. This was their Joker opportunity. This was definitely yes. their moment to like have a villain who, um, you know, can capture audiences in a major way to be that force. And I don't think that they leaned into that at all. Obviously, The Dark Knight is a more ambitious movie in general, but I don't think that that means you can't have a character who shines and stands out. They just didn't let Carnage stand out. They didn't let him do what he does. And you know, what he does is is very violent and you can't show that in a PG-13 movie. So, you know, I never really thought that that would work out too well. And uh, 
it 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 just didn't. It, what's frustrating to me too, though, is that I think there's a way for you to portray it in a PG thirteen way that still gets it across, right? Like think about like the scene in Spider Man two with Doc Ock's arms and they kill all the doctors and everything. Like that's not like this horrific, bloody, gory scene, but it's scary and it mm-hmm. it 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 gives you a sense of like this is a big like this is threatening. This is really something that like is going to throw Peter for a loop, especially because of this emotional angle and everything. Right. Like it built that tension and that drama without having to be gory. And I think you could have just had like him decimating people and having cutaways and stuff like that and not having to get into the because think about Maximum Carnage. It doesn't really show that stuff. A lot of times it'll be him walking out of a room and there's a bunch of dead bodies. We could have done that. We could have gotten away with that, you know? Yeah. But it wasn't interested in really going there. So I don't know. Yeah, I'm 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 definitely uh with you on that. Yeah. Well, missed opportunities, I guess. Um It's gonna happen. I, I wanna just take this next one because it's out of order. Uh Rebecca commented on the re- the review and she said movie rating six out of ten, Sean's review twelve out of ten. Thank you again for having <laughs> such incredible taste, Rebecca. You know, it's really amazing uh, that we're just so in sync and that you like me so much. That's really beautiful. We should talk. <laughs> I'm not being creepy. That's my girlfriend. <laughs> I just want to make sure people It's know. important if you're a first time yeah. listener again. That's why I'm laughing. <laughs> yeah. Um, go ahead. Uh, so this next one comes from Chillmonger. Mm. who included a time code where you asked two questions that I don't know what they are, and they res- they responded no and no. <laughs> this was actually on another episode that you and I did uh, together only, just us. Okay. Where we were discussing Inferno uh, and ah. you know, it's in, it, it coming out. And, what, and I was asking, are people still interested in what the what's going to happen in the x-men world post hickman and whether or not they would still continue to buy the book <laughs> Hill's answer was no and no so thanks for answering the question i appreciate <laughs> I, that yeah i mean i i you know i feel you i get it <laughs> so uh this is another one from uh from that one from that same review uh, I mean, this is another comment from Power Grid Comics who wrote in and said, this issue was just a filler like any TV show or anime. This was to point out how fresh... Oh, wait. This is on Spawn, yeah. This is on this Spawn? Is about, okay, yeah, okay. Yeah, sorry. sorry. Right. We got... Yeah, the, the notes got a little mixed up here. My apologies there. Um, so this, one on, this one's from Spawn. Um, like any TV show or anime, this was to point out how frustrated and powerful he can be to new readers. They are expanding this world and need to also attract new readers. And Todd has been uh, the same since issue one with his big narrating boxes and has never been known for his writing. We can't keep complaining about how he narrates if it's been like that for 30 years, but this issue was brutal and it took me out of the book for a bit. Not my uh, favorite issue, that's for sure. Great video. Thanks. Yeah, this issue was particularly awful. I cannot forget which one it was because it was rough. Were you here when we reviewed the what was essentially the torture issue of Spawn? No, I think I missed that one. I think that was the okay. last King Spawner, right? It was the last like Spawn Spawn. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That one I think was just you and Kale. Sure. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I got I get everything that you said. We talked about every aspect of that. Um, but it doesn't make it easier to swallow, dude. You know, yeah. um, 
unfortunately, I like I guess I guess I see that like, you know, if that's what the book is, it's not necessarily fruitful to complain about it. But like the book could do those things and be good. It's just that it's not, you know, it's it's doing all of that in a way that's very difficult to get through. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you, If you want to hear my thoughts on Spawn, go listen to our image reviews this week because I am... I'm increasingly losing my patience for Spawn. I got to be honest with you. <laughs> uh, okay, so uh, this one I think was just from the email, right? Like, yeah, okay. the, yeah. The, well, this was from this was actually from Instagram. Oh, Instagram. Okay, cool. So this yeah. one came over on Instagram. Um, and, uh, this one comes from Gosha who wrote in and said, hello, comics pals. My name is Gosha recently started listening to your podcast and I'm enjoying it. Thank you guys for your comic book knowledge inputs. I have a list of graphic novels. Maybe you guys might want to talk about. And if you guys have already covered these stories, please let me know where I can listen to your discussions on these stories. Thank you guys for all you do for the community. Take care and stay healthy and safe. Well, thank you so much. That's really, really kind of you. I'm glad you've been enjoying the show. Um, so here's the list. Uh, it's a list of 14 books, and there are some, some big ones on here. Uh, Birthright, Animosity, Last Ronin, Rover Red and Charlie, Heathen, Elephant Men, Black Sad, Slayer, Isolated, Pride, Coyotes, I Hate Fairyland, The Autumn Lands, and Stray Dogs. Thank you so, so much. Yeah. Um, thanks a lot for writing in, Gosha. And, you know, we'd love to find out what you all are reading you know um obviously we are the ones with the mics in front of us but the show's about you guys too and um this is a really great list i have to say i've heard of all these books and i know that uh, a lot of them have been highly highly praised but i can only say that i've read one of them the only book i on this list that i read was heathen oh and last ronin if i'm assuming you're talking about the Ninja Turtles last Ronin. If not, my apologies. Um, but yeah, those are the only two that I've read. Didn't we read Pride? Mm. Wasn't that the book about the lions? Wasn't that that was Pride of Baghdad, right? Oh, that is Pride of Baghdad. You're right. They, You're right. They may or may not be referring to that one. I'm not sure. If you are, then we read that. But I think I think that there is a there is a book called Pride. Okay. That yeah. Um, so they have talking about God, we've read so many books. I haven't thought about Pride of Baghdad <laughs> for I a know. long time. <laughs> that was a good one, too. That was a good one. Um, so if you could recommend to us, go show one of these books for us to do a book club about, which one would it be? Is this an order? Should we just do birthright? Or which one would you like to hear us talk about? Hopefully you hear this uh, and you can respond to us with that answer. Because whatever you choose. We will do. I've heard a lot of uh, good, good buzz about animosity. I know that's one I've I've heard quite a bit about. Mm. Yeah, I mean, but a bunch of these, are, yeah, yeah, a bunch of these are really, really well, well regarded books. Yeah. Uh, somehow we made it through the list of all of your comments. Woo! Yeah, <laughs> it only took us half an hour, but can you imagine uh, if everyone had been here? Oh my god! Forget it. The show would be over already. Better. Yeah, we've had to call it. Uh, Thank you guys a lot for writing in. It really, really means a lot. And, and, uh, you know, it's the lifeblood of what we do. You know, these comments, the interaction, the engagement, it's it's super helpful and important. If you 
want to write in, you can do what these people did. Most of them commented on YouTube, but anywhere you write in, we will get to it. And uh, make sure that you guys are subscribed. It really, really helps a lot. Uh, on YouTube, we're trying to get to 500 subscribers. We're at 434 right now. If we could close out the year with 500 subscribers, that would be incredible. So um, if you haven't done it, that would be a huge help. You don't have to be a YouTube person to head on over there and just hit the, the subscribe button at youtube.com slash the comics pals. That is the comics pals with an S. I wonder how many people have tried to look us up and uh, couldn't find us because they forgot about the S. I bet you it still comes up. Let's find out. Let's find Hopefully out. it does. Yeah. The Let's do it live. Comic pals. Yeah, we come up. All right. <laughs> Fun fact. When we first started doing this uh, within the first like couple of years, there was a, another group that started up called the comic pals or comic pals. And, uh, well, one of us is still here. What's up? <laughs> <laughs> Let's get into the pals pulls. So, Pete, you've got Made in Korea number five. Yeah, I, I really, really enjoy Made in Korea. I think it's a really, really special book. Um, I, I think every issue has been really solid. Um, and this one was no exception. I am very, very interested in, in kind of where the book's been going because it it really just feels like it keeps swerving and that never has felt like I don't feel like we've hit like a jump the shark moment or anything like that. Like it all feels logical. Um, but it's, it's definitely continued to go in ways that I can't couldn't have predicted. Um, so the fact that we've already read this, this issue, so we can go check out our review on, on Wednesday, um, for the image comic stuff. Um, but yeah, the, where, where this issue ends off, um, could have some pretty interesting implications um, in a number of different ways. So, yeah, I'm I'm still really enjoying the ride. One of my favorite books of the year. Yeah, definitely. It's uh, it's a special series. Um, I chose Batman Secret Files Peacekeeper number one. You know, uh, obviously, the Peacekeeper character being all over the place is something that is directly tied into all of the you know suicide squad the peacekeeper series that we're getting uh here soon on uh hbo max so you know it's a it's a tie-in i get it but the creative team is so good that i need to pick this up i i, I absolutely need to pick this up this is uh james tinian with ed brisson uh, and Joshua Nixon on art. So very, very strong yeah. team. Uh, I'm I'm hyped. I, I don't know. I can't think of anything that Ed Brisson has done for DC. So uh, this could be his first at bat with them. It's probably not, but, you know, whatever. Uh, I want to see what Ed Brisson has to say about Peacemaker. So I will be picking this up. Yeah, I think it's easy to get cynical about this kind of thing um, when you can see the machinations of, like, why something might be getting made or, like, that a character is getting a push or something like that. But, like, it's uh, as far as I'm concerned, it's immaterial if the work is good, you know? Yep, exactly. Um, and then Pete and I both chose X-Men Trial of Magneto number three. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> obviously, this... The last issue uh, was pretty fucking wild. <laughs> um, yeah. So, uh, you know, it's it's hard to say where things are going from here, but I'm certainly in for the ride. 
Um, I thought issue one was a little bit slow, but two definitely got me on the hook. So um, I'm I'm ready for three. Mm. Uh, yeah, two was weird. Two was really weird. Uh, I still I'm still into it. I still like the series. This is the first thing that uh, Leah Williams has done that I have that I have read anyways that I've really enjoyed or at least like have been, you know, into and intrigued by. I do think that there are some aspects of the script that I'm not that happy with, but um, overall, I do think that it's been good. And I wish I really, really wish that this was not coming out alongside Inferno. I really, really wish the timing could have been worked out because it just doesn't make any sense. This is comics. I get it. I've been reading comics for a long time. I've yeah. dealt with this a million times, but it it's taking the wind out of the sails of the project when Trial of Magneto feels like it doesn't matter. Yeah, because obviously whatever's going on in Inferno is is, you know, the main event. Yes, and not only that, but it's taking place after Trial of Magneto. So we know that whoever we see here, nothing critically bad can happen to them. No one here is going to be ousted. And like right? Magneto being one of those characters is pretty, yeah, it's right. pretty, pretty important. Something tells me that his trial will not end badly for him. Yeah, safe to say. Yeah. So uh, let's jump into the news. This this news actually dropped during Comic-Con, but we just didn't we just didn't talk about it. We didn't have the time or space. Saga, the return of Saga. We learned. I just, yeah. I just can't. 32 months, 32 months, people. That is a long layoff. That is a long hiatus. Um, the, the longest, I would imagine, in image history. Ooh, uh, I don't know about well for a consistently published title probably because I imagine that there's like some weird fucking thing where it was like oh this book wasn't made for like 10 years and then we brought it you know what I mean like oh image, yeah, yeah, yeah image does that kind of bullshit all the time <laughs> yeah a book that like was on was actually on hiatus yeah that was weekly or monthly prior whatever you know consistent this feels um, to me like when like a band is like oh we're going on an indefinite hiatus and you're like so that means you're breaking up but then they actually get back together and you're like oh right. shit like <laughs> yeah i mean i i i never felt like saga wouldn't come back just yeah. because of you know the way they talk about it and the way they uh fiona and um brian talk about their relationship it seemed like they just had a lot going on on the sidelines. Mm -hmm. And so I guess now was the time to to do it, to get back to it. Um, January 26, 2022 is when we will get Saga 55. Brian K. Vaughn said the following about the announcement. Other than my own family, collaborating with Fiona Staples on Saga is the most important thing in my life. So I can't thank readers and retailers enough for their patience. I think our next 54 issues will be even more shocking, strange, and spectacular than the first 54. So we can't wait to be back on the shelves at your local comic shop soon. Fiona Staples said, I've really missed connecting with readers through the pages of Saga, so I'm thrilled to roll up my sleeves and dive into this world again. The next arc is already going places I never imagined. I'm so grateful that we're able to keep doing this. 
That's awesome. It's insane to think that we're only halfway through the story. Mm-hmm. You know, like that's nuts. Um, and like we knew that, right? Like that's a thing that that Brian uh, and Fiona have said that they had the, that plan um, for two. You know, kind of like fifty-four issue halves, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I don't. It's crazy because like that book launched in two thousand and twelve. You know, yeah. Like, I I just feel like it's um, it's it's insane to think that it'll it will be ten years old next year. You know. Oh my god! Right, makes me feel really fucking old. You know, like that wow. that as a new thing doesn't feel that long ago. Ah, that bothers me. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Right. It's like oof. <laughs> the passage well, of time yes but also i feel like you can't you know it's cool i love long runs in comics but boy 10 years there are people who have become adults that probably well you maybe you shouldn't be reading this if you're not an adult, <laughs> but maybe they did and now they're adults you know maybe they have kids now like Life has changed a lot. Like you yourself have changed a lot. You've had a lot of things happen to you since Saga came out. Like so many things have happened. So maybe that's cool. Maybe it's like, wow, this book grew with me. And, you know, the story has, has, you know, grown with me, whatever. I, 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 fine. Okay. Um, But God, three, a three year layoff with, you know, other breaks in between, Mm -hmm. you know, the book going on shorter hiatuses, like, I really hope that this block is is more consistent. Yeah, that would be nice. Uh, I I don't necessarily feel like that as a thing has impacted my enjoyment of the series. Like it's it's absolutely very frustrating. Um, But I I definitely agree with that, that I would love to see a more consistent release schedule for this this second half, because Jesus Christ, if it's another 10 years before the end of this book. I'm going to be a fucking a pile of dust by the time I get to read the end of this. <laughs> you might have your own kid, you know, you might yeah. be able to connect with the story even more. So in a way, that's kind of cool. And that is cool. You know, like I, I love that about art, you know, but but um, especially like a piece that you feel really connected to when you're young. And then as you grow, the, the book does grow with you or you get new things out of it when you come back to it. Um, that is a really rewarding process, you know? Um, and it's something that I think... I don't know, I guess, like, the way that um, that media consumption is nowadays where there's just so fucking much and, like, to keep up, you gotta keep going, right? Like, yeah. you don't usually give yourself a lot of time for, like rereading and contemplation and reevaluation and and some of those things and and I think Saga is a book that really does uh deserve that not only not only does it encourage that I think it's it's worth doing that with it's a series I've read 3 times through um I guess not in its entirety cuz I reread it and then more came out you know but like yeah. I've read the first you know uh, 25 to 40 issues I think 3 times you know um, over the course of the last 10 years, 10 years. But um, I, I, I'm absolutely going to have to read it again now um, to get back in that emotional space to, to yeah. keep going with it, you know? 
I don't want to harp on this point, but let's talk about some things that have happened over the course of 10 years, right? So uh, we had Obama's second term, Donald Trump's term, and we're in Joe Biden's term. So there have been three presidents <laughs> since saga started, right? Little global uh, pandemic. Yes, but to be fair, you know, that's that's more recent. So we won't, you know, uh, we've had since Saga started, uh, we would have to check the date on the on this to be exact. But we've had four Avengers movies since Saga started. Saga came out the year Avengers came out. Right. I don't know <laughs> if it lines up to the date, but, but year wise. But yeah. Fuck. Like, yeah. Yeah. The whole MCU, like not it didn't kick off. But it ramped up, you know, from that point. Yeah. Uh, by the time this book comes out, we will have had the entire trilogy of Spider-Man movies at Marvel. Marvel will have acquired the ability to use Spider-Man in Civil War and then proceeded to make three movies with the character in the time that Saga has been running. It's not even done. Yeah. This is the time of the first 55 and the hiatus. We had uh, like six Star Wars movies. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we did. We had uh, I think the I think it's exactly five, right? Yeah, yeah. Fuck, That's man. nuts. That's absolutely crazy. Yeah, dude. To think I mean, about on a personal level, right? Like, too, it's like I graduated school. I've like. I moved to a different city. I got engaged. Like, it's like, I, I, I have grown up a lot since this book came out. <laughs> Hopefully it's been 10 years. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> Let's put it so, this way. I remember I, there was a time where, where I used to make the decision to buy saga instead of food. So that's how far I've come. <laughs> and you know what? It's funny you say that because the biggest marker of age on saga is the fact that when Saga first started, it was a two ninety nine comic. Oh fuck! Yeah, you're right. And it will continue to be two ninety nine when it uh, when it drops in January with fifty five. Shout out! That's awesome. That's wild. I love that. It's a reward for people who have stuck with the book, um, for people who want to continue the story, and it is the only positive. <laughs> fact about the <laughs> about the book having been on for so long um yeah I, I, obviously i'm criticizing it i'm not fully like i'm not really mad about it it's cool it's a bit i'm i'm, I'm, I'm excited <laughs> yeah i'm excited that it's coming back i i'm i have that um the like compendium type thing that they put out the nice hardcover um it was a gift that i got from for my uh for christmas and i can't wait to tear into that. I haven't read it. So I'm going to, why, you know, I've read the issues, but I'm going to tear into that, in that format. I'm read that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, in anticipation for this. Yeah. It's actually really funny. Um, so when, when Sarah and I first started dating, um, it was like right around either saga had recently started its hiatus or it was starting the hiatus. Like then I don't quite remember the timeline, but I remember, um, you know, Sarah had never really read comics before and was trying to take an interest in them. And I was like, here, you should check out Saga. And she read like the first like 20 or something issues in like a sitting while we were like recording one day. 
And I was like, oh, my God, you're still reading? Awesome. And and she was like, yeah, yeah, I'm blazing through it. Like, how many are there? And I was like, oh, well, there's like 54, but like it's on it's on break right now. And she's like, it's on break? It's not done? And I was like, no, no. She's like, well, when is it coming back? And I was like, oh, we don't know. It's been on break before for like a year. And she was like, okay, I'm going to stop reading then, and I'll just reread the whole oh, thing when it comes yeah. out. And I was like, no, damn. Like, yep. <laughs> And, and and that is that is the thing. It's yeah. like I've been wondering. I'm sure Saga won't be affected by this because it's such a big book. It's Saga. But yeah. I, I have wondered, like, will there be readers who don't come back? It happens at Image constantly. Yeah. My favorite books that Image have done, has done, I have dropped just out of forgetting that they existed. Like Lazarus. I loved Lazarus by Greg Rucka. I stopped reading it because I forgot it existed. Black Magic, also by Rucka, forgot it existed. Um, Low, I, 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 I stopped buying it because it wasn't coming out. And then the week it came out, I was like, oh, my God, Low, oh, my God. Bought it, was like, I want to read this, couldn't remember what happened. <laughs> so I was like, well, shit, I got to go read the other comics. And then I just didn't do that. Yeah. So. That's a major problem. And not everyone is going to say, yeah, I'm going to go read 55 books to be ready for or 54 issues to be ready for 55. But again, I don't think Saga will actually be tremendously impacted from a financial standpoint by that. I think I think most fans of that book are so into it that they will they'll do what they got to do. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, All right. So moving forward, I talked about. Tom Holland's Spider-Man and, you know, how that's, you know, the trilogy is coming to an end. And, you know, we are on the horizon of that. And this week, Tom said that uh, he might actually not, he might be done as Spider-Man. So uh, in an interview with Entertainment Weekly for the Spider-Man No Way Home, they did a, a, a feature on it. Holland said the following. We've been making these films for five years now. We've had such an amazing relationship, the three of us. We've been with each other every step of the way. The three of us is referring to the three primary actors, yeah. uh, Tom and um, Zendaya. And I, I always forget uh, uh, what, um, yeah, what Ned's I'll, name I'll is. Uh, yeah. Oh, uh, We've Jacob been... Batalon. There you Italian. go. Thank you. We've done every single film, every single press tour. So this one scene, we didn't know if this would be the last time we were all working together. It was heartbreaking, but also really exciting because we're all moving into the next chapter of our careers. So sharing that moment with them was maybe the best day I've ever had on set. I don't think I've ever cried like that. We were all treating No Way Home as the end of a franchise, let's say. I think if, we're lucky, if we were lucky enough to dive into these characters again, you'd be seeing a very different version. It would no longer be the Homecoming trilogy. We would give it some time and try to build something different and tonally change the films. Whether that happens or not, I don't know. But we were definitely treating No Way Home like it was coming to an end and it felt like it. So my angle for this is... I... First of all, I completely believe what he's saying because I don't believe that Spider-Man, this version of Spider-Man, Peter Parker, will be available to Marvel after No Way Home. Uh, I think that we will get one more movie with the character in the MCU and then the torch will be officially passed. So I believe that. When he says 
that if he if they were to do this again, it would be something different. I believe that too, because if they do it again, he will be doing it for Sony only. Uh, and doing it with Venom and doing it over there with a with a whole different scene, you know, a whole different uh, vibe. So, yeah, I believe all that. But I would say that it would be a shame if we don't get more movies with Tom because I am ready to plant roots with a an actor for Spider-Man and let them really, really take the character through the adulthood arc you yeah. know let's do it we haven't gotten that yet i want to see him get married i want to i want to see i'd be happy to see him have a kid like let that be the last movie you know um let's do like six movies let's do nine movies you know i, I i'm ready to see someone grow old in this role yeah yeah I, I think it's a shame because for all the things that the the tom holland era of of spider-man have gotten right there's like a lot of missed opportunities because of some of these rights issues and things that they yeah. can and can't do. And the fact that, you know, I think there is this kind of uncertain future on some level. And that that's frustrating because I think if we didn't have those limitations and if we could just hard commit to doing those things and not having to worry that Sony's got all these characters that you'd want to see in the actual movies tied up in these other bullshit side projects and everything like huh. I want that you know I want to see uh see like like you said right it would be amazing if this trilogy was the end of the him in the high school era and then he goes off to college and you know he's you know living in the city and he's got a shitty apartment and he's balancing yeah. these things and trying to figure it out and maybe he meets black cat and maybe you know the symbiote shows up and and you know like the, like we ah, there's so many of those beats that we're just never going to get to as long as we have this stupid fucking rights dance, you know? Um, and that sucks, you know? Uh, but it is what it is. And, you know, I guess I guess we got to just be thankful for the good stuff that did come out of it. Yeah, well, the thing with, the thing with Spider-Man in particular that's different from Marvel characters is that, uh, you know, you really want to see him go throughout his entire life because he does have interesting things that happen to him at all points. And we know this because we've seen it. The comics have allowed the character to age and grow. And then of course they snap him back to a certain degree, but um, you know, we've done the college thing. We've done the high school thing. We've done all that. I want to see that play out. And when you only get three movies with an actor and then you just, rubber band it back to high school at that well when when the hell are we going to get past this and maybe they don't want to and i think you're right i think the rights issues play a major factor in all of this but i'm just saying if anyone i i think the best person the best actor to have done that with would have been toby mcguire because toby's spider-man felt like a like an absolutely human person and I love that. But if we're going to do it, let's just do it now. Let's do it with Tom Holland. We got him. People like him. The movies are good. Uh, let's just get into it. Let's he see enjoys him playing go. the character. Yeah, he's committed. You know, he said he wants to play the character as long as he can. You know, right. Um, we'll see what happens. You know, we we've we've had this song and dance before, too. Right. Like. The yeah, negotiations can always be reopened, so. 
Yeah, we'll fair enough. Happens. Yeah, I just I, I I'm hoping that that that's the case. Uh, so yeah, December whenever that movie comes out, if it comes out in December, we'll see. Um, it might be his last hurrah. Well, it, it actually cannot be his last time playing Spider-Man. He's under contract for one more for Marvel, I believe, and one more overall for Sony. So I believe we'll see him two more times. And I would bet my bottom dollar, I'd bet my last, that one of those will be a Venom tie-in. Yeah, I think you're probably but, right about that, which, yeah. boy, that sucks. Especially because if you were going to do it, can you have saved Maximum Carnage for that? No, let's. You know what? I don't even want to say what I was going to say. That's a huge spoiler. Um, <gasps> I, I, I I agree. Um, <laughs> I I agree. Uh, so Penguin had a rough week last week. They shipped their first batch of Marvel comics to the entire United States. And uh, most retailers received very, very battered comics, Uh, not mint, not even just not mint, like really busted. This week wasn't any better. Uh, They do say that uh, the the comics that released the week of the 20th should um, be improved because they will have better boxes and better packaging overall. We'll see about that. But there is some good news as it relates to Penguin's relationship with Marvel. They're adding Marvel Comics to their Penguin Classics collection. So Penguin Classics is just what it sounds like. They take books that are important to, you know, literature, you know, important books, and they create a classics line with them uh, to keep those books, you know, published and uh, available to people over the years um so <laughs> what's that i'm just reading the rich johnson article and i love that he says uh, it's books in this series are considered important members of the western canon the first penguin classic was evie ryu's translation of the odyssey published in 1946 which is just hilarious to me like i not to say that comics don't be deserve to be part of that conversation but rich opens it like saying like my mother would never have believed me if i told her that this was a thing and it's just such a like like ha ha you know like <laughs> sure we in we're here uh we're we're kicking our feet up we're taking our shoes off um, and we're stepping on your couch. The Odyssey is not better than Amazing Spider-Man. Come at me. <laughs> That's right, because now you, uh, you know, these 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 comics will be a part of that classic collection. We've got the Amazing Spider-Man, so they're adding. They're they're going to be putting out a collection of um, stories from Amazing Spider-Man by Stan Lee and Steve Ditko, Captain America. Of course, Jack Kirby, Joe Simon, Stan Lee, Jim Steranko, and John Romita Sr. And Black Panther, Don McGregor, uh, Rich Buckler, Ruckler, uh, Billy Graham, Stan Lee, and Jack Kirby. So these they're going to be doing, um, you know, these collections, which will just, you know, take stories from their history, the, the important stories um, uh, for these characters and collect them, you know, their, their origins and things of that nature and collect them. Uh, that's awesome. That's really, really incredible. Uh, this is going to start in June, June 14th. All of them will be available. And then they're going to do 
additional ones down the road. These will be collected in uh, with, I guess, Penguin's notable Black Spine. And then also there will be a hardcover edition. Each of them will also have a foreword. Jason Reynolds will do the Spider-Man one. Uh, Nendi Orkafor will do the Black Panther one. And then Gene Luen Yang for Captain America, which is pretty cool. Yeah, that is cool. How do you feel about this? Um, this is cool. I think this is really cool, right? Like this is, uh, <clears throat> I think it, it's, it's cool to see them, uh, kind of place this honor on these books. And, you know, because of that context, like, um, like Rich said of, of these, like the things that are considered for this are, are literature that is important to the Western canon, right? Um, I don't think you can make any argument regardless of your feelings about the quality of comic books or, or anything like that. Um, you can't argue that they haven't had a major impact on the Western canon, um, right? You know, I think especially Marvel characters right now are, are, you know, for the last decade plus have been so ingrained in our culture. Um, and they always have been, right, to some degree. Um, sure. So it's it's cool to see, to see that honor placed on these books. Um, it's cool that the selections are, you know, these um, these very classic runs. And I think the idea of kind of, you know, um, having an, another format for these books to be delivered in that is like a little bit more high quality, that's want, that wants to talk about their historical context and, you know, um, that's going to have these nice forwards and everything. It feels like a really cool presentational package for these, these books, you know, um, yeah. as, as well as it being a nice thing to hang on on the hat of, you know, the comics as literature conversation, you know? Um, I could see this being a thing that, you know, um, that, like, maybe maybe colleges uh, use in, in, like, you know, some kind of course or something like that, right? As, sure. As we move further and further into, um, you know, removing that stigma around talking about pop art as art, you know? <laughs> and we are... We are more, well, I don't know if more. No, yeah, I'm comfortable saying that. We are more entrenched in superheroes. Superheroes are more part of our lives overall than ever before. Obviously, there have been times in history where more people have read comic books, but there's never been a time where more people were exposed to superhero media. And because of that, you know, these characters are our modern myths and they have an effect on people. You look at the fact that Black Panther is even included in this is is proof of what I'm talking about. There's no chance in hell that Black Panther is included if that movie doesn't come out in 2018, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's that movie had such an impact on people, on culture, that now Black Panther is being included in a classics collection alongside Spider Man and Captain America. You know, that's a that's a big deal. Yeah, and absolutely. we should talk about these characters that way. Spider-Man has impacted, you know, Pete and I, for sure, Pete, our lives and many, many, many others. You know, there are children who, you know, this is sad, but like children who are, you know, cancer stricken and they know that they're dying and all they want is to meet Spider-Man. You know? Yeah. That's what they want. Not Obama, not, you know, what name your, you know, take your pick. They want to meet Spider-Man. Yeah, that, absolutely. that is a big deal. That matters. Um, 
honestly, like even just trying to think about it a little bit, I'm welling up here a little, you know, like I, I, um, would often joke about it, but it's, I, I truly do mean this. Like, uh, Peter Parker has a far more profound influence on my life than Jesus Christ, you know? Um, <laughs> there you go. Um, you know, yeah, there were a lot of times, especially when I was a kid, um, where it was a, it was a guiding light, you know? Um, and I, I think a lot of people feel that way, right? I think, um, especially in a world that is often designed to make you feel powerless. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. The, the power, um, that, you know, having a hero that you can look up to, especially as a young impressionable person, um, is huge. It's hugely impactful, you know? Um, so much of my personal philosophy and the way that I try to interact with people and, and, um, and, and make choices are, are dictated by, you know, moral lessons that I learned, um, from Spider-Man, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's just so incredible. I'm so happy to see these characters getting the respect and not just the characters, but the creators, you know, this is a huge boon from the relationship between penguin and Marvel, you know, um, only penguin could really do this because yeah, Marvel can put out a thousand versions of, you know, Spider-Man's early days and collect it. But when penguin does it, it's going to get eyes that never would see it otherwise. So it's awesome. But the question is, will these, will these arrive in stores damaged? Will they arrive safe and sound? <laughs> Hopefully. Hopefully they do. Yeah. Hats off to Penguin and, and, and Marvel for, for getting this done. That's super cool. So quick update on the fandom. We are T-minus 29 minutes away from it actually starting. So we'll probably still be recording at that point. And hopefully they start with something really cool so that closer to the end of the show, we can talk to you guys about whatever it is that they show off. Um, but moving forward, go ahead. I'm watching the live chat, and it's like yeah. every other fucking thing. It's a hashtag restore the Snyderverse. And then I just saw somebody goes, hashtag don't restore the Snyderverse. And I was like, oh, wow, we got a fucking badass over here. <laughs> right? One thing you can say about the Snyderverse people, the ones that are really committed, is they are loyal. Like, they are down for the cause. They are passionate. They are a passionate group of fans. I don't want to meet any of them, but they are a passionate group of fans. No, well, just, to I'm be just, frank I'm with I'm you, you're, you're talking to one right now, man. I'm down. I want I want it. Restore I want it. it. Restore it. Restore it. Let's go. <laughs> Uh, no, I, 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 I'm, I'm comfortable whatever, whatever DC decides to do. I'm Team Scorch Earth. Okay, this shit is still a mess. Just fucking cut the cord and let's start over. <laughs> For a long time, it was like, oh, but people like Gal Gadot, Wonder Woman. No, no, you know what? Wonder Woman 1984 was bad. Let's cut it. We're done. Start over. <laughs> oh man, yeah. You know what? Fair enough. I'm not even gonna argue <laughs> with that at this point. Um, so DC made a, a ton of announcements about books that we can expect uh, to be coming here soon. Of course, whenever they do the solicits, you know, um, there are always going to be books that are interesting, but this particular block of books caught my attention. So I wanted to do a quick, a quick block here talking about some of these titles. Up first is World's Finest by Mark Wade and Dan Mora. 
wow that yeah. is a hot team that's crazy so, yeah uh this will be starting january 25th with detective comics uh 1050 um it's gonna well it's gonna begin as a as a backup there um this is only the second thing that wade is doing uh in dc so far that we know of um and Dan Mora is one of the best artists in comics right now. Dan Mora is absolutely nuts. Pete, if you're looking for a frame of reference for Dan Mora, Klaus. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. I was like, I know that name, but I can't. I was having trouble placing it. Yeah. Oh, he's good. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that's uh, crazy. I mean, especially like this being, you know, Mark Wade's first thing back at DC and how long, you know, it's like, it's pretty... That's 12 pretty, years. That's pretty fucking big. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Detective Comics 1050 will also be notable for the fact that this book will feature other characters in Gotham. Now that Batman is essentially leaving Gotham, he's made that decision uh, due to what's going on during the Fear State event. Uh, so this will be this will be a book to pick up, I think, for sure. Um I'm excited for it for a variety of reasons, but top of the list is definitely Wade and Morris uh, team up. That's super cool. Up next is a Zdarsky joint. So Chip Zdarsky is sticking with DC. Uh, He did the last ride over there, which I think just wrapped up, but now he's switching gears and heading on over to um, the bat side of things to team up with Carmine the Geomenico for Batman the Knight, which is going to be a story. I swear to God, DC can't stop telling these damn post year one, pre year two, uh, you know, June through August, you know, (laughs) hyper specific stories about Batman's early days. This one is essentially, um, what happens during the time that Batman is training to be Batman? Uh, when Batman, when Bruce leaves Gotham uh, to train and then comes back as, you know, a crime fighter, not quite yet known as Batman. Um, that, uh, DC is leaning into the Batman Begins similarity um, by saying, uh, how did the dark night dot 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 begin? That's how they're teasing the book. Okay. Yeah. Uh it, like I don't know. It's one of those things like to your point, like it's just like, all right, yeah, we've we've had stories like this, like or it feels like we've had stories like this before. But like I you know, I really like Chip Sadarsky, you know? Oh yeah. It's like fuck oh, yeah. it, whatever. I'll 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 read this book. Sure. <laughs> First of all, we love Chip on this podcast. We're huge fans Big of, Chip of his work. Yeah. <laughs> All the stuff he does is good. But also, uh, the art is tremendous. It looks really good. Yeah, they've got like a yeah. few pages here um, for samples and very dynamic stuff. Mm-hmm. The color scheme is is great on the, the, the pages that we were able to see here. Um, I don't believe they list an additional colorist. I think it's no, not that I see. Uh, oh, Placencia, right? Okay, cool. Yeah. It's on Good. the cover. Okay. Um. So yeah, Placencia always doing 
tremendous work. Yeah, yeah, uh, it's a great creative team between the three of them. Yeah, but um, I'm excited to see what Chip has to say about Bruce. Yeah, especially like a young kind of like vulnerable Bruce, you know, I feel like I could see Chip nailing that. I feel like he's good at writing that type of character. That's why I think you yeah. write Spider-Man so well. Yeah, exactly. So this is definitely one that I'm that I'm excited for. Uh, this will be dropping again in January, January 18th. So, uh, you know, early, early in the new year. Next up, we talked about uh, Peacemaker earlier. This is another Peacemaker title. This one, though, is by Garth Ennis. Crazy. Yeah, this is a one-shot that Garth is doing alongside Gary Brown. It's called Peacemaker Disturbing the Peace. I love that title. Um, I I think this is going to be awesome because, you know, we know Garth from, like, the boys we know garth from punisher and stuff like that i feel like peacemaker is a character in that vein hyper violent yeah but then also has an interesting twist and edge to them in that peacemaker is obsessed with the idea of peace peacemaker is willing to bring the war to get the peace right and just like you know we had that conversation um <clears throat> with garth a while ago and you know like he talked about how much like he he just he really has that history with war comics and everything and like you could totally see how this would play into you know his strengths. Yeah, yeah, this is super cool. This is way up my alley. Yeah, I'm I'm, is, I'm sure this will be good. You know, yeah. this seems like like a, a match made in hell. <laughs> I mean, in a good way. <laughs> <one. laughs> love it, love it. This is also coming out on January 25th. So <laughs> January is going to be a bomb month for DC, it looks like. Uh, additional, Additionally, uh, we've got Teeny Howard, Nico Leon, and Jordi Belair all moving in to Gotham for Catwoman starting in uh, January with Catwoman number 39. Um. Catwoman was being worked on by Rom V and Rom's story was fantastic, but I think it was probably clear to anybody that it wasn't the longer term sort of answer for Catwoman. Rom did a great job, but the baton was always going to get passed. And uh, it looks like Teeny Howard is taking up that mantle. Um, Teeny said, so much of our development for this book is just them listening to me while I send them my latest inspiration and ramble about Catwoman and femininity and danger and lust and power. And they're into it every time. I don't <laughs> want to go too far into what we're doing with the book just yet. Selena and I agree that there's nothing more tantalizing than a taste, but you should know that I came in with lots of plans. I'm building to a Catwoman centric tale, the likes that Gotham has never seen the shape of this story. What makes it required reading for Selena Kyle's life all became so clear to me as I worked on this. I'm st- Standing on the shoulders of giants who wrote my favorite Catwoman tales like Grubaker, Cook, and Valentine, and I'm so grateful. This is an all-new jumping-on point. If you've wondered about Selena's life post-Bat, you can start right here. But I also need to take the time to holler at the current creative team. Ram V, Fernando Blanco, and Nina Vacuvia, or Vacuva, the people working on the current Catwoman book have been kicking ass, and they didn't give me an easy act to follow." These covers, boy, are wow. so good. 
Dude, yeah. Uh, there was another quote from her in the beginning where the, the covers are by Jeff DeCall and Teeny said that they drip fashion and sex, and that is accurate. Like, yep. they, they look like covers to, like, high fashion, like, you know, uh, like a magazine, like, shoot, or, like, you know, like, um, one of them has, like, a very kind of, like, you know, uh, like a, like, what's the word? Like, like she's in, like, kind of a stripper pose, but it's more like, um, what would you say, like, pinup? Yeah, yeah, like it has that kind of quality to it, like a pinup or even like burlesque or, you know, like it's got like a theatrical element to it. It's not just sexy. It's got that fashion and that, you know, that kind of um, that that vibe to it a little bit, you know? Yeah. Um, Catwoman is in this particular one on uh, she's like on a pole um, and her legs are like crossed on it, which is nuts. She has like probably that's got to be like what six inch heels on. Yeah, they, yeah, they're like total like you know stripper heel type type energy, um, very like high fashion kind of weird vibe like that. Um, and then she's got like she's like pulling a knife out of her sleeve, you know, like it's very yeah. like I feel like that juxtaposition of like the sexiness, but then there's like this, you know. She's she's like a viper, you know, kind of thing. Like, I don't know. It's it's got a it feels like the right energy for Selena, you know? Yeah. The cover B, though, is I mean, that's a reference to uh, Batman Returns. Mm-hmm. Got that Why Michelle can't Pfeiffer I remember? Energy. Yeah. Thank you. Michelle Pfeiffer. Yeah, totally. Yeah. You know, I got to uh, get both of these. Very influential. <laughs> mm-hmm. Indeed. Uh what are your thoughts about Teeny Howard? Uh, I have only like really dug into a few of her things here and there. Um, and like it's it's stuff that I've always liked the taste that I've gotten, but I've never like dug in as far as I feel like I could. Because like the most recent thing I'm thinking of was uh, was Excalibur, which I really liked, but I ended up kind of falling off of it as well. You know, um, and yeah. I don't think it was like anything to do with with the quality of the book, but more just that, like, it just wasn't, I don't know. It didn't feel like it had that main event energy for me at the time, you know? Um, but it's a book that I've always like kept in the back of my mind wanting to go back to. Cause I really liked what she did with, um, with Betsy, you know, who's a character who I've, I've never really, you know, um, had much of a relationship to aside from thinking that like Psylocke was cool, but you know, like, she was always kind of a supporting player in things that I had read, or like I knew her, you know, mostly from like Marvel versus Capcom and stuff like that. Just a character who was in the lexicon more than a character that I was super attached to. Um, mm-hmm. But I really liked the way that she wrote her and like the kind of familial conflict that was going on there and her struggling with her identity as a mutant, but also as a member of the Braddock family and everything. And I thought she juggled those things really well, you know, and the idea that this is a book that's going to, you know, be more about. Um, you know, maybe Selena's like internal life, you know, kind of post Bruce is something that I think that feels like a thing that she's probably really well suited for, you know, given um, given what I know about her as a writer. Yeah, uh, I'm going to I'm going to agree. Teeny Howard is is definitely someone that, you know, whose work I um, want to like maybe more than I actually do, but I'm ready for 
her to do something that I can sink my teeth into and this Catwoman run might be it. It feels like she's bringing a lot of her own DNA into it, especially from that um, that blurb that I read. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely going to be picking this up and giving it a chance. The idea that she sees this as something she wants to do that is going to be, like, essential reading for the character is always right. like, a, all right, cool, like, show me what you got, you know? Like, that's a... Uh, that's that's tough to do. So do it up. I'm rooting for you. Definitely. Um, the last book we're going to talk about dovetails pretty nicely into our main topic. Uh, this is super the super sons. Of course, John Kent and Damian Wayne are going to be coming back together for one last hurrah in Superman and Robin special number one. So, of course, these two are childhood friends. Makes a lot of sense considering who their parents are. Um, and they had a series, a comic series, that a lot of people enjoyed. But, of course, John Kent was aged up recently in during Bendis' run on Superman. So now they're not really, it's not, you know, it's a little weird for, you know, an, an 18, a 16, 17, 18-year-old to be hanging around with a 10-year-old, right? Is he still um, 10? Damien, yeah, he's like 12, 10, 12. That's weird. Yeah. Why you got to do um, shit like that, comics? Well, you know, if he were to have aged organically, right now he'd be like 26, <laughs> something so like that. So why don't we just make Robin older too? Like, just commit to the bit. Like, <laughs> Well, well... It doesn't make it any be, sense that Damien's 10 years old anyway. All right, this kid is crazy. Well, that is, that is true. <laughs> um, so they're going to be coming back together for one, allegedly, one more shot. Uh, this is going to be a 48-page one shot that's going to be going on sale January 25th. Uh, Pete Tomasi is going to be writing it with Victor Bogdanovich on art. Um. And then uh, we've got some cool variants as well. I'm into this. I like these two together. Do you? Did you ever read uh, the Super Sons? No, book? I never read it, but I remember just hearing a lot of good things about it. And I remember when they were moving into this new era, that was one of the books that people were really down about being on the chopping block. Um, yeah. Because I remember it just had, had so much positive momentum. I, I, I did read that one... Uh oh wait no, that was just around the same time. Never mind, it wasn't a Super Sons book, but it was from that same era where I remember there's like the thing where um they go on the double date and it's Batman and Selina and and uh, Clark and Lois. Um, yeah, yeah. So that's what I was thinking of. That was not Super Sons though. They were just alive then. <laughs> 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 they existed. They did exist. They're at home while the the parents went out. I guess. <laughs> Um, yeah, I didn't read any of that, so I don't really have too much familiarity, but I'm, I'm into this. On Especially paper, like, I like it. I like the idea that Batman and Superman's sons are best friends. I think that's cute. <laughs> yeah. And I'm excited to see what their relationship is like now that John is so much older than Damien, you know, for, for John, all that time really did pass. You know, he aged several years and, um, you know, for Damien, that, that time did not pass the same way yeah so they're going to be seeing each other in different spaces maybe they've reconnected 
since John came back and I didn't read it, that's highly likely. But in any event, I'm excited for this, um, especially in light of the new announcement that DC made with John Kent regarding his sexuality. We now know that John Kent is bisexual. And that is what we're going to talk about on our main topic, because everybody lost their minds this week <laughs> as we discussed the the sexual identity of a fictional character. It's going it, to, you know, people got opinions. They got opinions on everything. Right. So why not this? <laughs> so do we. Yes. So uh, DC this week announced that Jonathan Kent is bisexual. That was announced five days ago, something like that. Um, and in issue five, we will see that play out. Now, of course, we'll talk about the fact that DC chose to announce this ahead of the the actual issue. Um, this, of course, being Superman, Son of Kal-El, the, the series that's ongoing now, written by Tom Taylor. Taylor said... I've always said everyone needs heroes and everyone deserves to see themselves in their heroes. And I'm very grateful DC and Warner Brothers share this idea. Superman's symbol has always stood for hope, for truth, and for justice. Today, that symbol represents something more. Today, more people can see themselves in the most powerful superhero in comics. Tom Taylor did the rounds of news. I saw him on uh, some news channel. It might have been... Um, something on ABC. I don't remember exactly what it was, but I saw him speaking about this very well-spoken, said all the right things, combated the criticism and negative feedback with grace. Um, so hats off to him. I do want to say that uh, because, you know, there's going to be a lot of flack. There has been a lot of flack. There will continue to be a lot of flack. Tom Taylor now has the distinction of being the writer who took a character that people associate with, you know, I'm doing air quotes right now, American Christian values <laughs> and made them something other than heterosexual. And that's going to bother a lot of people. And it is bothering a lot of people. The internet went nuts this week about this announcement. So before we get into all of the feedback what are your thoughts just about the announcement itself? Um, so as always, I I don't like when uh, companies choose to make these announcements before they happen in the book. I feel like um, that's the only part of this that rubs me the wrong way is like, uh, like especially like if I was someone who um, was following this book month to month, I would rather have that happen on the page than yeah. seeing seeing it on Twitter or something like that, and then having to see everybody react to it before the issues even come out. Um, which, you know, is is going to happen with something like this, like you said, right? Um, so that being said, uh, that's, I guess, you know, that's, that's PR, right? So it, it, is what it's, it is what it is, right? Yeah. Um, they want to get attention on the book. They want the book to sell more. You know, they want uh, people to know that this is happening. If they're not reading the book, Fair enough, right? Um, why that couldn't wait for the Wednesday the book is on shelves, you know, that's here nor there. Um, but in terms of the actual news itself, um, I, I definitely, like, uh, 
what Tom Taylor res- is saying resonates with me a lot. You know, um, that's always I think where I come back to when you have the conversation about representation, right? Um, let's we'll take it back to the conversation we had earlier, right? Um, about how uh, a character like Spider-Man, right, like had such a profound impact on me when I was young and I needed a hero that I could look up to and see myself in um, and help me orient myself in the world uh, by being able to relate to a character who I felt like had struggles that were similar to mine, you know, and had yeah. experiences that were similar to mine. Um, and that's who that character was for me, you know, and, and, and I had that and I know how, uh, impactful that was for me, especially as a young person, you know? Um, so yeah, to see, to see, uh, Tom Taylor be able to do this with, uh, a character who, who, you know, isn't Superman, but is, is a Superman and is, is, is a beloved character, um, and be able to, you know, do what you said, right? And take this character that is, uh, there's no character more associated with, you know, uh, you know, white American exceptionalism, I think, you know, and again, in quotes, uh, more than Superman, right? Uh, whether that's right or wrong, I think that's what the average person thinks. And there's the right. whole, you know, we've had this before, right? Where like, remember when we had, you know, fucking Dean Kane talking about Captain America because his name is Captain America and he's a white guy with blonde hair and blue eyes. So of course he represents me and me, right? No. Yeah. Um, that's not the case with Superman, as anyone who reads Superman will tell you. Um, but that is still the perception of the character and of the brand and of 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 the the symbol, right? And like to see this uh, be something that you know, ideally, like you know, young queer folks can see themselves in and and relate to, ideally, right? Um, if it's well executed, uh, that's that's special, that's powerful, right? Like I want you know, uh, young comics readers and, and older comics readers of 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 every orientation and, and cultural background and, and what have you to have a character that they can see themselves in and feel like um, can be that, that guiding light that I talked about. Right. Um, mm. And someone who can, can be that for them. Um, so yeah, if this means that, you know, um, that John can be, can be that character for, you know, um, for anybody like that's good, you know? Uh, and, and ultimately like, the idea that like um that this is something that would bother you like i can't i can't see how it comes from anywhere but uh a place of of you know projecting your own values onto the work right and and dare i say you know some some homophobia um because yeah. it's like i don't know right like who does this hurt no one who does this who does this mean something to a lot of people i had to have this conversation with someone in my life actually um someone in my life who you know obviously whenever there's like major comic news people come to me to talk about it and you know this person said i don't i don't like this i don't think that a character who is you know for kids a character who is a young person who's going to appeal to young people should be this way. I don't think that their sexuality should matter. I don't think that we should be promoting agendas. Uh, I'll try to avoid some of the, the actual phrases, but um, 
yeah uh, that type of rhetoric yeah and you know i had to explain like listen you and this person is you know is a, a spanish person and it's like you like it when there's representation you know for 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 yourself right like you like it when you see like a a black character or a spanish character or whatever like that's cool to you right and they're like yeah and i'm like i'm like so okay so think about that same exact concept but apply it to someone who is of the lgbt community that person is going to see that and they can say wow you know that's cool like i see myself yeah. in this character and that's extremely important and you know this is a battle that we're fighting in our homes in some cases with our friends with our families people who don't get this and they get it when it applies to them but then when it doesn't yeah they're like oh you know what um so it's tough it's tough and there are a lot of people who feel that way and it's a shame it really is and i encourage you if you're if you're within if you're within the ability to do so to you know have those conversations this wasn't even an argument me and this person continued to have a normal time after that but i did have to tell them that's not cool dude yeah you know that's not a cool opinion that's you know lame and outdated and wrong you know and you know we should we can't the world cannot be like that anymore and it never should have been yeah absolutely and yeah, and uh, I, I think it's important that you took that opportunity to have that conversation because, you know, you did it in a way that hopefully was received, you know, and, and maybe that'll, you know, maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, maybe down the line. That's something that they think about and they maybe think a little bit differently, you know, hopefully. And I only say that because, you know, I'm not trying to make myself seem like some champion. I'm just saying that, no, you know, these are the things that happen in our lives. Like these are the people that we know. They're people that you love. They're not monsters necessarily. You know, we, we villainize everybody. Um, you know, this is a friend. And these are the conversations that we need to have. And that's the only way we really get progress. It's, it's by, you know, again, air quotes, forcing it, right? Uh, through action like what Tom Taylor has done with this with this series um, but then reinforcing that by expressing to the people in our lives like hey this is the way the world is you know comics are the world outside our window and certainly we will we will encounter people of all walks of life you know wherever we are so I just think that's important on the announcement style I was definitely not happy with the fact that they put this out ahead of the issue this way, I get it. If it's like Tuesday, even though for me, that's a bridge too far. If it's the Tuesday, the Monday before, sorry, I'm saying Tuesday, DC comics come out on Tuesdays. Now, <laughs> um, if it's the Monday before, if it's the week before, fine, you know, whatever, I'm not happy about it, but fine. But this was way too ahead of the actual event itself. I feel. And so I'm a little frustrated by that. Yeah, and and that that to me is just like that's something I've never been a fan of. It just feels like you're taking steam away from the book. Like let it come out and then do the news stories and then do the news yeah. cycle. Like it's on shelves. You can go get it, you know? Like that that will work just as well, you know? Um but yeah, I wanted I wanted to uh to respond to a couple of the other things that you said um just cuz I think they're important and they're things that people say a lot, you know? And and if there's anybody listening that maybe uh 
thinks about some of these things, I'd, I'd like to engage on a couple of them. Like the the point being made about um, about like young characters, uh, you know, not shouldn't be um, exploring their sexuality or anything like that. That's a, a that's a, a thing that always bugs me. That 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 talking point because you know there are no shortage of uh, character like okay like you're, like again we'll we'll walk back to another familiar example right Spider Man right when I was reading Ultimate Spider Man he's 15 he's an underage boy and there is a whole issue about him and Mary Jane talking about potentially losing their virginity together and what would that mean and all those kinds of things right and like nobody has a problem with that nobody has a problem with uh, I don't know like. This is the first example that came to mind. So if this is a pull, I apologize. But, uh, you know, there's a, a whole romantic subplot in a Goofy movie, right? About Max being in love with Roxanne and wanting to get the girl. And that is the that is so many movies about young people, about, about young men, right? So many are that story. Why is that okay? But you think someone exploring their sexuality that's different than yours is wrong or taboo or too adult right you that's you sexualizing queerness in a way that is not right and not fair right like um john kent as a, a character who's now a teenage boy right when were you exploring your sexuality oh at that age huh right exactly and if there are young readers who are that age who are maybe going through that themselves that might be illuminating for them you know, that's that's that is absolutely age appropriate. Um, and the idea that it's not is is totally rooted in in you having a problem with homosexuality or, or, or any kind of sexuality or gender identity that's different than yours. Right. And what you're used to. Um, and I think, you know, that's no different than being a bigot about anything else. You know, and it's like you, you're like, just take that little bit of time to just try and put yourself in someone else's shoes and like and I just we're not we're not that different right like at the end of the day like we all just want to have better lives and be happy and you know and like do right by our friends and our family and and all that shit right and I just you know um I think we let labels and things that ultimately you know shouldn't matter right like uh, the this person you were talking about said right like a character's sexuality shouldn't matter you're right so why are you upset about it Exactly. You know? Yeah. It's not a threat to you. It doesn't have to be. Anyone who told you it was, they're the asshole. Yeah. Unfortunately, it's it's a learned, uh, you know, way of being. You know, it's something yeah. that people learn through society. And, you know, there's always this conversation about the gay agenda. You know, and I'm, I'm not saying I think that I'm saying that's what people say. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's like a com common thing that, like, especially like, you know, Christian conservative type people will say. Right. And so what's so funny about that to me is that, you know, not only is there clearly not one, but there's the opposite agenda. <laughs> right. And that opposite agenda is not being purported. It's being purported by like people in their homes, you know, like families, like parents teaching their children. It's generational. It's systemic. You point to the media as having some gay agenda. Well, somebody's got to have the damn agenda, man. So, you know, we got to, we got to, you know, so, someone has to, someone has to be willing to step up and say, no, these people need to be seen and heard. Like Tom Taylor, I don't know their, I don't know his, uh, you know, sexual identity, 
But let's say, for example, that he is heterosexual, right? He's taking the stance of, you know what? Maybe it's not my story, but it's John's story. Yeah. And John's story just happens to be a lot of people's story across the world. And I'm going to tell it because no one else is telling it. That's the Brian Michael Bendis decision of 10 years ago with Miles Morales. Yep. And it's a decision, not 10 years ago, but around that. It's a decision that um, has to be made. You don't have to be gay, lesbian, bisexual, trans to tell that story if you can do it in a way that's respectful, true, and, you know, with the best of intentions. But I do want to I do want to pivot a little bit. And also point out, by the way, that the fandom has begun. Um, it has begun. Nothing, yeah, it has begun. Nothing too cool has happened yet, but they're showing off um, Black Adam, I think, right now. Uh, so while that runs, you know, we'll keep talking. Uh, obviously, there was a huge backlash towards this. And I'm not going to get into reading and talking about all of the different reactions. Dean Kane had some stuff to say, and the clapback on Dean was way better than anything he could have possibly said. <laughs> Fuck because, Dean Kane, man. <laughs> yeah, seriously, please. Like, go shoot another Lifetime movie, you fucking loser. Yeah, yeah. Do another, do another Fox News pop in. <laughs> yeah. Where they're asking, they're asking, and a guy who's most famous for playing Superman badly thirty <laughs> years ago, his thoughts about literally anything that's happening, right? Um. But what was so funny to me was the clapbacks were like, you know what? Let's take a moment to celebrate all of the amazing actors who have portrayed Superman <laughs> on screen over the last 60 years. And they showed literally everyone except Dean Kane. Yo, Dean Kane could get absolutely wrecked. Yeah. The fact it, it, the, it's it's amazing. I just the fact that anybody that anybody is so pigheaded that they think that like Ah yes, Superman would represent me and my conservative values. It's like read a book. Yeah, you're dead wrong. You're <laughs> dead wrong and it's it's sad and it's a shame. I, I a People book. like him cannot be changed, but you know, hopefully maybe there are kids out there who can be changed. And that's that's the hope, right? Yeah, um, right, totally. Cuz like you said, it is a generational thing and like it, it's up to every one of us to be better than our parents were, you know. Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, and by the way, just in case anyone thinks this, I just want to be doubly clear. I wasn't trying to say that there is literally a, a gay agenda in Hollywood. I was just trying to say that creators are doing the right thing if it's their decision to do it to tell these stories. That's all I was trying to say. Yeah, absolutely. Um, continuing on, the absolute best response to this news came from Wendy Rogers. Okay. Wendy, Wendy, Wendy. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> Wendy Rogers is a senator uh, from Arizona who said the following. Superman. Oh, you know what? I'm sorry. The, the black Adam trailer is playing right now on Fandom. So I just want to take a moment to comment on this. Are we going to watch it? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm watching it. Are you watching it? Yeah, I got it. You want to show okay. the screen? You're the host, man. Oh, I am shit. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> okay, hold on, hold on. 
Now you can share the screen. <laughs> okay. All right. Cool. Oh, wow. That's really fucking oh, cool. Fuck. I'm trying to share so fast. Okay. Oh, my God. He just vaporized a man. <laughs> yeah. You can, you can you see this? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Great. Wow. He just caught a bullet. He's got the hood. He's got the hood. The, the, the hood from the current comics. Wow. Okay, he's bulletproof. The bullets are just bouncing off his suit. What's his suit made out of? Wow. They're showing the logo right now. Yeah. For those of you who can't see this. Oh, shit. Next wow. Summer. A release date. July. Uh, that's July. Yeah. July 29. Pretty big. Yeah. That's fantastic. Uh, th I think that movie is going to be pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. All right. I'm going to stop sharing now. Shout uh, out to the fact that I got a rock trading card. Uh, this week at Comic-Con. Oh, I forgot to get my trading cards. <laughs> Damn. I can smell um, what Black Adam's cooking, and it's that man's body as he melted him into a skeleton. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, they're showing CW's Flash. That is when I tune the fuck out. <laughs> uh, so instead of that, I'll go back to what I was saying earlier about Wendy. So Wendy Rogers said... Superman loves Lewis Lane, period. Hollywood is trying to make Superman gay, and he is not. Hollywood? Yeah. Just rename the new version Superman so we can all know the difference and avoid seeing it. Oh, Wendy. Wendy, I'm going to just say this right now, and I, ho I hope you're watching, Wendy. You're a fucking clown. You sound like a fucking clown. Hollywood, this is happening in a book. I know you probably haven't read a ton of those. They're, uh, they're these little, they're a bunch of pages stapled together and they got words inside. And that's how they communicate the story. So uh, that's probably a little bit, you know, uh, it's a little bit, little bit above your pay grade. But uh, you might want to try them out once in a while. They're pretty cool. I learned something. So this. Holy shit, tweet. what a take. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this tweet is tremendous. I love this tweet. It's one of my favorite tweets of the year. It's the sad tweet of the week. Because, <laughs> first of all, Wendy, you clearly are, you know, purporting yourself to be a Superman aficionado. So I would think that someone of your status would know that Superman loves Lois Lane. Lois Lane is not someone that I'm familiar with. But if Superman loved Lois Lane... That'd be cool, too. We're, it's we're, Clark and Lois, not Clark and Lewis. <laughs> like, like, Jesus Christ. What a cloud. What a fucking cloud. But they're saying Lewis Lane as if that's the proper name. They, the, the funny thing is, is that she probably tweeted this and a bunch of motherfuckers are like, oh, my God. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? <laughs> like, no follow up research. Like, no. Right. And again, like Hollywood, what movie is being made? There is, there's not even a Superman movie in production, to my knowledge, right now. But even if there was, it probably would not star the Superman we're talking about. Because right. we're talking about John Kent. Because it's his so who, son. And you right. would know that if you clicked through to the article that you retweeted, you know? Like, just yeah. <laughs> Wendy is, is thinking that Clark Kent is bisexual, and that's not the case. Clark Kent is not bisexual. Like Dean Kane would never. 
Fucking and then the Superman, like that's just completely, you know, bigoted. Like, come on. Yeah. You like, could make the, the point is awful in general, but you could have done this without adding in that. That's uncalled for. It's um, just, and you, it's the, just the, insane. The class level is so low, right? Like, it's just so low rent. Well, you please, dude. Like, I, I've never heard of this woman before now. And like, you just jump to her Wikipedia page and like every single like, OK, so it's state. It's under the state Senate election in tenure. It says affiliation with militia group attempts to overturn the 2020 presidential election, immigration and former AIDS complaint. These are the the four things that she is most known for are being a terrible boss, being affiliated with a militia group and trying to overthrow the 2020 presidential election and saying a bunch of racist shit about immigration. So fuck this lady like and also now known. For the the tweet of the week, the, the Lewis of the Lane year, controversy. Superman loves Lewis Lane. Period. I'll tell you Wendy, what. If I ever get to write Superman, I'm making that a canon character. Lewis Lane. <laughs> Lois is like cousin. Yeah. Um, Wendy, you are an idiot. Period. <laughs> Moving on. By the way, it looks like the fandom is getting ready to talk about Aquaman. There's like this. There's whole, water. <laughs> there's water coming down. It's like a whole fake background it's a cg thing you guys if you've seen fandom last year you pretty much know what to expect on that front this time around uh so getting past wendy uh the one last sort of point that i that i had and you know i'm ready i'm ready for anyone to disagree or have a different take than me whatever so john is bisexual Obviously, anyone can know that they're bisexual. You don't have to have had any type of experience with the opposite sex or any sex to know what you're attracted to because you have eyeballs and emotions. <laughs> so <laughs> because you have eyeballs, <laughs> that, that, you know, that's how it works, right? Like we all had our awakening by seeing something we liked. Sure. Uh, someone someone we were attracted to. Um, that being said. I'm throwing it out there that I wonder, especially in light of the Robin announcement from last month, was there is making John, I'm just going to come on and say what I'm trying to say is making John bisexual, a safe choice on DC's part. Um, is it a choice made out of safety is what I'm trying to say. Uh, I would, I would say no. Cause I think I think the I think the safest thing to do, if they wanted to achieve what they're trying to do here, is what we kind of criticized them for in the past, which was like um, when they were doing that big vote and they were gonna like one of the options was the um, it was like it was the, I forget the it was like Justice League queer it was like the queer Justice League yep, I, I forget yep. the name of the, the the group but that's the name <clears throat> there you go um, I think something like that is is would be a way more safe choice right to like develop a new character or develop a new group of characters and make a big push for it and do the same kind of pr dance or whatever this was something that they knew was going to to court some level of controversy um and you know you can make the argument that that's good for business sometimes but when you think about the fact that and we've talked about this a lot unfortunately i think a big part of the consumer base of uh, comics are you know folks with um, you know some bigoted uh, ideas 
um, who don't necessarily want to see, you know, quote unquote, forced diversity or any of that kind of stuff. Um, they had to know that that was going to be part of this equation, right? Um, and I think I think it's probably uh, it's something that they they took as a calculated risk, you know. But I wouldn't necessarily argue that it's like the safe choice. Um, just I'm because saying, you could. Sorry. No, no, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm saying the safe choice, and I didn't clarify this, and I should have. The safe choice against weight against him being gay. Ah, I see. Yeah, sorry. I see. Yeah. I see. Um, no, I don't really think so because I think I think any amount of of queerness is going to, uh, is is going to raise flags for that type of person. You know. Yeah. Um, I don't. I don't think that. I don't think that they material materially see those things as being all that different, right? Like, there's a a, a picture in the book um, that's like a preview of him, you know, kissing a boy. So it's like that's gonna rub people the wrong way, no matter what, right? Um, and and I think I think if anything, it is good to see that because I think there is a a big uh, that's a huge issue. I think that that bisexual people do face is like this kind of attitude of like i think like uh there are a lot of heterosexual people who will be like oh well you're not really gay if you're bisexual and i think that bisexual people experience that even from the queer community of like yep. well you can pass right like if you have uh, a relationship with somebody that's you know like you're in a, a heteronormative couple then like that that somehow discounts you as being queer and having those feelings and having that be part of your identity. And I'd say that all people feel that way, but I, I know that that's something that um, the bisexual people in my life have expressed feeling, right? Like feeling like I don't quite fit in either world, you know, or, or I feel uncomfortable um, expressing my queerness as much as I would like to uh, because I'm afraid of feeling like, you know, judgment or or like I'm, you know, co-opting or something like that and like that's that's a, a thing that you know um that that a lot of people deal with you know so i think like having a character who is like you know visibly bisexual and not uh not casting that doubt on them in some way or something like that right is is reinforcing um something positive i think and it's it's good because you know um there isn't a ton of, of representation of bisexual people either, right? Um, and that's the thing is everybody needs that. That's what we talked about. That's what Tom Taylor was saying, right, is everybody needs that representation. Um, and, yeah, yeah, I think that, that, I think that that's – that is – I think it's it's an important distinction to to not just be like, oh, we here, – here's our, here's our gay character. That's, that's enough, right? Like that's – we've represented everybody in the, the LGBT – uh, Q plus community, right? Like, no, you haven't actually. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, again, it's it's also um, in in relation to the Robin announcement that that Tim is is bisexual, mm -hmm. and so we haven't really gotten that you know that that uh, gay character no. yet from DC. So, um, at least yeah. not you know a character that's that visible. Right, because I'm sure there are gay superheroes yeah, in the DC universe, yeah. but um, not there. Definitely out. are Green Lantern. Uh, Alan oh, Scott right, right. There you but, go. I mean, that's yeah. There you go. Yeah, but again, like Alan Scott is not Earth Two, and not 
that big of a deal. Um, yeah. Like, Robin and, and John Kent are far more visible characters. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah, I think I think our position on this is clear. If this is something that, you know, you are struggling with, like, like I said, my agenda yesterday was not to, you know, speak down on this person or anything like that. It's more just about educating people. If you can, if you are so inclined, if you feel comfortable. Um, and that's something that we can do here. You know, like if you write in and your opinion is not the same as ours, you know, we're not going to agree, but we can talk about it. Uh, and that's something that I'm always comfortable with. We don't have to agree, but we can talk about it. Uh, but I'm happy for it. I'm glad that John Kent now has um, this, I guess, added aspect to their character. Um that does create different storytelling opportunities. You know, it's not just, oh, who's he kissing? You know, because obviously none of us care that much about that, right? Regardless of anything, like, you know, we're here for the for the story. Um, these are not comics about sex. So, but there are stories to be told that do relate to and engage with the sexuality of a character. And we know that, as Pete pointed out, due to Spider-Man and others. So you can have that with John. You can have that with uh, Robin, Tim Drake. You can have that with anyone. And hopefully that adds a dimension that is compelling for the character. So I'm here for it. Um, I'm into it. And uh, I will be buying this, this comic book. I'll be very interested to see how many issues they sell now that they have made this announcement. And if it sells a big amount of issues, um, then clearly, uh, you know, DC made the right decision and spoiling it a month ahead. Yeah, yeah. I mean, fair, <clears throat> fair play, right? I mean, I, I bet you that there are people who will pick up this book uh, that wouldn't have otherwise, right? Because yeah. this is something that speaks to something that they want to see, right? They want to see themselves represented, um, so they may, you know, hopefully they'll show up for it. Um, yeah, yeah. And I, I, you know, I Tom Taylor's a great writer, so I hope I hope it's well executed. I hope that it sticks the landing. Um, I hope that I hope that the folks that it's for. Uh, feel like it is what they're looking for more than anything yeah. right um because as we said super important uh for people to be able to see themselves in in their work in their art in their work in in work <laughs> speaking of seeing yourselves in work i'm we're currently watching the milestone presentation on the fandom and they're talking about static and you know all the milestone books it's funny because Last year was when they kind of made the announcement about the return of Milestone. Um, and here we are now, and they've actually got art to show. They just showcased Static, uh, Nicholas Draper, Ivy Static. Check out our interview with him. Uh, hopefully that's up now that you're hearing us. Um, damn, I really hope that during the recording of this podcast, they would show the Batman trailer. But unfortunately, that did not happen. So close. Yeah, we cannot uh wait for that um, but uh, they save yeah. it for the end of the fandom we're like 10 hour episode of the comics pals new record <laughs> we're still here guys we're still here they're showing the batman um no we'll we'll next week we'll comment on everything that we didn't get to from the fandom um for sure we'll definitely be talking about all that stuff i do want to really really um push our interviews if you guys have not checked out any of the interviews we did from Comic-Con. It'd mean a lot if you go check them out. YouTube.com slash The Comics Pals. Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo. Philip Kennedy Johnson. Kyle Higgins. 
Twisted, Tony Schiavone, Dirk Manning, uh, Bob Sadley, you know, so many interviews that we did. We really, really would appreciate it if you give those a, a, a view, a like, subscribe to our channel, all that stuff. It just really, really helps us out a lot. We put a lot of work into Comic-Con and it's for you guys. So hopefully you enjoy all that. If you enjoyed what we did today, write in and let us know. Comicspals at gmail.com. Write in on social media, at the Comics Pals, wherever you want to comment. Follow, rating, review. All that stuff helps us out so, so much. Um, listen to our reviews. Wednesday, Image Comics. Thursday, everything else. What If is done, but we watched What If. You can go check that out, all nine episodes that we did of that show. Uh, you can listen to that. And, uh, you know, yeah, thank you so much for joining us today. Pete, plugs. I uh, had myself muted on the video version there, so uh, I just said my plugs, and nobody heard them. So uh, <laughs> I'm going to take those one more time for you. At loud underscore Pete on Twitter and Instagram. Flipscreen.games for my video game podcast. Long friend, time friend is my band. We are very good. Go check us out. Agreed. Uh, as for me, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram only, at Sean Soapbox. Hit me up to talk about the Batman Super excited about the Batman. Can't wait for this movie. Also, if you're excited about any of the movies that are coming out this year, including The Matrix, Doom, Spider-Man No Way Home, hit me up to talk about that. I'm all about movies right now. So excited for everything that's coming out. With that, we're the Comic Spouse signing off. Take care, guys. See you next week. Oh, we didn't plug any other guys. Well, I don't know. Fuck them. Fuck them. <laughs> uh...